Well, today we're doing part two of a new series called, Who Told You That? Everybody is listening to somebody. Yeah, you are. And if I talk to you 20 minutes, I guarantee you I can tell who you've been with and who you are listening to. And everything you've heard isn't true, right? Everything isn't true. I remember uh, George Arugio over here was telling me uh, two years ago in one of his classes, apologetics, going through the Bible with some lawyers and CEOs and different professional people. We are in a predominantly Catholic town and beautiful people, by the way. Half this church probably comes from a Catholic background and we cherish you. But we've all been taught nonsense in every religion that wasn't in the Bible. And when George mentioned that Mary, the mother of Jesus, had relationships with Joseph after the birth of Jesus and had children, they freaked. I mean, when truth hit them, they screamed like a demon. They had been taught that all their life, the Immaculate Conception, and that Mary didn't have any physical relationships after Jesus was birthed. And, you know, and Scripture just names the family and the the brothers and sisters. Now, what are you going to do with that? You're going to scream, fall down, have a tantrum, get a wedgie, or you're going to say, well, I guess I was wrong. Now, I hope you'll be that kind of a person. It always hurts, doesn't it? You ever had a sacred cow smashed? Yeah. Well, I, I think we ought to hear a lot of mooing. I'd like to see a lot of sacred cows die. And the only thing that'll kill them is truth. And if it didn't come from Scripture, you probably are holding on to one of those old McDonald's sacred cows. So if you're listening to the enemy, he's always giving you fake news. If you're listening to your flesh, it always gives me a bad report. But if you're listening to God's Word, he's giving you the only good report you're ever going to get. The enemy is full of bad news, and the only good news comes from our Lord. And that's why Jesus said, preach the good news. Gospel means good news. It's not a religious word. It just means good news. He didn't say preach the headlines. He didn't say preach the latest political statement or the stock exchange report. He said preach the good news. So be careful what you listen to. Mark chapter 4 verse 23. Jesus said if anybody has ears to hear, let them hear. You know, Years ago, before we had smartphones, I had a CB radio in my car traveling, and you'd communicate with truckers and different people, and there was an expression, anybody in here ever use a CB radio? Yeah, okay, well then you, you get what I'm saying. And truckers would always say, hey, good buddy, got your ears on? Remember that? What they were saying was, are anybody, are you listening? Or, hey, blue four-door Honda in the southbound lane, got your ears on? He wanted to ask you a question. If you'd seen any Smokies back down the road at mile marker 291, so he didn't speed through a trap. So he said, are you listening? See, if, if you are, if you do have your ears on and you're listening, you'll leave this auditorium today saying to the enemy, hey, You've been lying to me about myself, about my circumstances. I refuse to believe your report anymore. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. 
God's word is truth, infallible, forever settled in heaven. Not one jot, not one tittle of my word shall ever pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. So you've got to decide what you're going to build your life on. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. So that's a choice. You can choose to listen to what the world is saying. You can choose to listen to what your flesh is saying or your friends or your hairdresser or what fear is saying. Or you can listen to what God's saying. Jesus said, take heed what you hear. How many know you can listen and not hear? Husbands are really good at it. (laughs) My wife has on a few occasions said, you are not listening to me. And I said, I heard you, but I didn't hear you. I didn't listen to what you said. I heard noise, but I was occupied doing something. Well, I'm just being honest up here. Excuse me. I didn't realize I was in the midst of so many saints. I might ask the wives to stand up and testify about your husbands since I just made a confession. Be careful what you listen to. Everything you're hearing is not right. And if you put yourself in one box, you're not going to end up a very balanced person. Some of us come out of cultural boxes. Some of us come out of nationality boxes, racial boxes. Some of us come out of poverty boxes. Some of us come out of entitlement boxes. And you're going to be messed up if if you don't seek truth that stabilizes you and balances you and normalizes you. If you hear the wrong thing, you'll believe the wrong thing. Who told you that? My grandmother, I've told you a million times, she used to tell me that if I drank milk and ate fish, it would poison me. Grandmother, you were wrong. You love Jesus and you're with him now, and I'm sure he probably gave you some fish and milk, but it didn't do that. And then every time we had a big snow in South Carolina, when I was a kid in high school, grandmother had Dr. W.D. Dahan, I forget, R.W. Dehan, radio Bible class. My grandfather was hard of hearing, so it was wide open volume. And I'm a teenager trying to lay in bed, and that voice is booming. And my grandmother kept telling me, this is the sign of the end times, Rick. This is it's going to be a short season. I was 18 then. Yeah, any of you remember some of this stuff? Nonsense, absolute nonsense. Mussolini was the Antichrist then, and then it was Kissinger and different people, and it comes. And it's amazing to me, Christians still buy the books. They make millions off of nonsense, and I wonder where is the not a questioning spirit, but a, a, a heart and a spirit that questions to seek truth. Tell me where I'm wrong. What am I believing that's wrong? I need some light and I need truth to gauge my value and my life on. And God's going to give you that. So if you're listening to the wrong voice, you're going to get messed up. See, that's that's why you're advised to get multiple opinions on a serious health diagnosis. A serious surgical procedure for dental. Uh, Well, I'm going to have to take out six teeth. Uh, somebody else has, has diagnosed with some kind of a condition physically, and they're going to tell you if you're smart, you'll get multiple opinions because one, one, one opinion could be wrong or it might be not necessary, limited information. So scripture says in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. So do you get multitudes? Well, 
you know, Gloria told me. Well, that's really good. The multitude of opinions. Gloria told you. That's great. Or your hairdresser told you. Yeah, I'm just saying you're going to miss God's best for your life, and you're going to have the wrong outlook if you're listening to the wrong voice. So God has an antidote for a bad report. An antidote is something that contradicts or reverses a critical situation in your life. We've got antidotes for various poisons, don't we? Well, look under your cabinet and it'll show antidote if your kid drinks this. We'll look at God's antidote in just a minute. But take heed what you're hearing, Jesus says. Be careful who you're giving your attention to. So to survive, to make it a good life, you've got to believe the report of the Lord. And every time people ignore it, disaster happens. There's a way that seems right unto a man who's uninformed, but the end is the way of death. At the end, it's destruction. You've got friends probably, and you've watched them commit spiritual suicide. You've watched them just destroy their life or their future or potential because they refused truth or they didn't know truth, and they just ran right on through the sign, and things went bad. We have enough bad experiences in life, in business, in marriage, in, in, in relationships that I don't need an experience. I can learn from yours. That's a fact. You know, if it didn't work well for my dad, it isn't going to work well for me at all. Why do I need to go experience it? If I moved out to Hollywood and had a contract, I wouldn't have to say, gee, this is wonderful. I'm going to get invited to all the parties. I'll probably be in cocaine and, uh, and divorce. But I've had enough experiences watching some who were my friends out there destroy their life. I don't need the experience. I've already seen the result. Why can't you say that in looking at different people? Make your own assessment. You know, if you walk with wise men, you'll be wise. You walk with foolish people, you'll be destroyed. Just because people love Jesus and come to church doesn't make them smart, okay? There are some relationships in church you ought to flee from. That's a fact. Mark 4, 24, the Amplified Bible. Then he said to them, pay attention to what you're hearing. By your own standard of measurement, that is, to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it'll be measured back to you, and more shall be given to you, the ability to respond, and more will be given to you who hear. The flesh will always get into agreement with the enemy. It never gets into agreement with God. Scripture says your flesh, mine too, is at enmity with God. My flesh never wants to do the right thing. How about you? Can we have a little audience participation? Your flesh wants to do stuff wrong all the time. It's set at enmity against God. It's, it, it's not good. I have to subdue that flesh. When I get on 281, I have to do a lot of subduing. I want to revoke driver's licenses out there. Your, your body will sometimes begin to manifest symptoms agreeing with the report of the enemy or your flesh. That's why doctors tell you that a great percentage of illnesses are psychosomatic. It just means you are listening and studying and believing the enemy's report. So where does the enemy give you that report? In your thoughts, in your mind. If my mind comes into agreement with the enemy, my flesh will start to produce the symptoms. As a man thinks, so is he. See, if, if you get chest pains, you start thinking, heart attack. Yeah, my uncle had a heart attack. The enemy will say, why? You're a prime candidate, Rick. You're over 40. you got a tire around your waist. 
And your flesh will go, yeah, sounds good to me. And the next thing you know, you start having shortage of breath. You forget it's Sahara dust, you're breathing mud. Then, then you'll start to hyperventilate. Then you'll think, well, if it is a heart attack, I ought to feel some numbness in my arm. And your flesh will say, yeah, that's right. And you start to feel it. Well, by now, you call 911 or EMS, you get rushed to the hospital, and after three hours of test and $3,000, you find out you got gas and you need to lose weight. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we've had Sahara dust, right? And some, so I've heard a couple of people were coughing and they thought they might need to get checked for, I said, you're breathing dirt. Of course you're going to cough. I'm breathing the same dirt out there, and it affects your respiratory and lungs. Allergens do too. Don't, con don't put yourself on a ventilator in 20 minutes. Okay. I'm preaching good. I'm telling you, this is true. I've been listening to some of you, and I'm saying you're listening to the wrong report. So whose report are you going to believe? Take heed what you hear, Jesus said. Because when you give your ear attention to the wrong report, that'll start to manifest in your life. That's why the enemy doesn't want you in the Word of God. And you'll hinder it, and he will hinder it any way possibly. Victimized Christians never know or read God's Word. They might go to church. They might hear a message, but they didn't actually hear anything. They just listened to it, and they never overcome anything. They are drama queens. Every day is a drama. Every time you meet them, it's something new. And I'm thinking, how do you live like that? Every day of my life is not drama. Every day of my life is not a victim. If you've been suffering the same problem for 10, 15 years, you're a volunteer. You're not a victim. I'm quoting the great theologian, Dr. Phil, on that one. That's right. Proverbs 4, verse 18, amplified. But the path of the just, of the righteous, is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until it reaches full strength and glory in the perfect day. Notice, when the sun starts to come up at sunrise, it begins to move darkness back. It's a process. And there's a process of God lighting the darkness of my soul. It's a process. You know, regeneration is instantaneously. I'm born again. But transformation takes time. See, David said, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if the path of my life I walk on is going to be light, it's so I don't fall in the ditch. See, it's going to take light that comes from God's word in this world of spiritual darkness. So my first light is good news. And I'm telling you why the enemy doesn't want you to have God's Word and why he doesn't want you to read God's Word. It, it's, be, it's, it's the reason many people just stay chronically sick and why you go from one battle right into another battle. You simply don't have the help and encouragement that God's Word brings to you. And the enemy knows it. God's Word is my only offensive weapon. That's it. It's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Every other thing I'm given is protection, defense. But my attack weapon is the sword. And I can't win a battle without it. And Satan always attacks God's word. First words out of his mouth in the garden, hath God said that? God doesn't mean that. God's out of touch with reality. God's holding back on you. He always does that. He knows the power and life of God's Word. He knows it better than most Christians, and he can quote it and misquote it. 
but he knows it. And the key is those kind of victimized Christians, I listen to them, haven't you got anything to say back? I'm going to show you how. The Holy Spirit's illuminating God's word to you, causes you to live. And as you receive truth or light, darkness starts to move away. Uh, listen to the Passion Translation. If you have that, you ought to get it. It's really good. Proverbs 4, verse 18 from the Passion. But the love of God, it says, but the lovers of God walk on the highway of light. And their way shines brighter and brighter until they bring forth the perfect day. Now, the perfect day is that apex of day when the, at noon, approximately, when the sun reaches its highest point and light is evenly distributed over the earth. They call it the perfect day. So God wants the word of God to continue in me until there is perfect illumination in my life. And that's a process. It, you know, I can remember when I gave my life to Jesus, that didn't take but a few moments. But I can remember as I sat under God's word, light started to come in. And I remember coming out of the entertainment business, sitting in a bar with a drink by myself, just sitting up there. And I just remember that, that scripture, Elijah, what doest thou here? And it's funny how the Holy Spirit brought light into me and says, Rick, what are you doing here? This is not the life I have for you. And I remember I got up, left the drink and walked out, never went back. I, what I'm trying to say is that was just one little baby step of a process of illumination. And then I have many, many other areas of my life. The word would come and I would, first of all, I'd be uncomfortable because nobody likes to hear truth. Like, oh, oh, it's like getting stabbed. Oh, it shatters your illusion, right? I don't want to hear that, you know. And if you're going to stay married for your, till death do us part, it's going to take God's word to hold you down or you're going to run out, you're going to jump ship and it's, or it's just going to be a hellish relationship. But Cindy's hold on me after 44, going to 45 years, is not going to be, I'm a hot body. I'm afraid that body is cooled way down. But, but don't laugh. Some of you look worse. Okay. Uh, it may be cold, but it's in good shape. That's all I know. And I forgot what I was going to say. It was so good. What? <laughs> I was just saying, you, you won't stay married. If she's going to hold me, it's got to be the Word of God. When I start to waver off course... If you want to get me, it can't be, well, I think, well, I just believe, well, I just think. That's nothing. You give me the word of God, and that, that will hold me. I gave myself to it, and I may not like it. I may struggle against it, but I'll obey. I'll have a fit first, but then I'll obey. I will do that. I promise. I'll do that. That's, that's the point it has on me. And it'll have it on you. As that light comes in, it shatters the darkness, puts it back, and you begin to little by little get things you'd used to indulge in you say ah, I don't think that's for me anymore and you just so slowly move away from it so it's a process as light comes in and you receive that light so it doesn't happen overnight it won't happen unless you're in the light as he is in the light because God is light and in him is no darkness at all light is a powerful force a laser is just uh, what a focused concentrated light will burn through steel, laser, 
go right through that steel. This is ugly, confession. When I was a little boy, we had a magnifying glass, and we'd burn bugs. Did anybody but me ever do that? Yeah, thank you very much. All the criminal elements are here for sure. You've saved us. But I remember we were learning how to focus light, and then we'd burn things and catch them on fire. It, it was, you remember we had those uh, wood-burning gifts for Christmas that had, you plug it in the wall, and that thing would burn through wood, and it had a cord about 12 inches long. It's a wonder we didn't burn the houses down. It, some of the crazy stuff we did. It, here's, what, here's what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2.8. God will destroy his enemies at the brightness of his coming. Wow. In 1 John 1. Verse 5 through 7, this is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus, and declare to you, God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, don't do the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And by the way, let me say this, when I was raised in the South, racism and bigotry existed culturally there. The more the scriptures would come, then you learn, I can't do that. I can't mistreat an individual. I can't discriminate against an individual. It was a process of light pushing out darkness. Now, what if you don't like that light? Well, your, your only choice is to receive that light or reject it. And when Stephen preached to the religious crowd and Pharisees who were about to stone him to death because he was preaching Jesus and shattering their hopes and their dreams and their traditions. They screamed at him and put their hands over their ears. They didn't want to hear. Christians do that too. I don't want to hear it. I want to live with my friend. I don't want to hear that. I don't think God expects me to give any part of my uh, possessions to him. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I'm not going to forgive him for what he did. Okay. You just push that light out and stay in darkness. And you you, you, you shatter the, the fellowship you have with the Lord. See, when light and darkness meet, let me tell you, something's going to give. And I can tell you, it won't be light. When light appears, darkness flees at 186,000 miles a second, the speed of light. So if God is light, the only way we can come into relationship with him is to be illuminated. Conviction or frustration in your Christian walk is nothing more than light confronting darkness. That's why you feel bad about it or feel uncomfortable about it. The only solution is repent. That just seems turn around. It's not a religious word. It just means turn around and stop going that direction. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. Notice, if we walk in the light, where's that? In his word, because his word is a light to my path, see? And Christ, the light of the world, is in his word. So he says, then the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses me of all sin. So there's a cleansing that comes from being in the light. God's word will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from God's word. The enemy doesn't want you in the word because the word illuminates you, convicts you, and you repent. Light will break in upon you and darkness will have to leave and you're going to get closer to God. See it? Or else you're going to run into a light wall. Bam. So the enemy will give you a report that you don't have time, that you can't understand it. It's too complicated. It could mean 20 different things. You read the New Testament and you could have the IQ of a sweet potato and you could understand almost all of it. I mean, Peter was an unlearned and ignorant fisherman and he became an apostle, it can't be too difficult. These are pretty crude individuals, would you agree? 
tax collectors. These are fisher people. You've watched Deadliest Catch. Jesus told some bad, chose up some bad guys. I mean, they would be the hell's angels. They'd be some people you wouldn't want to be, be near. And Jesus chose them. So I'm trying to say to you, if they could understand pretty much simple good news, you can too. It's not that difficult. Honestly, it's not. So the enemy, whatever he's saying to you, he said to me a thousand times. His, his podcast is the same every month. And why, Rick? Why didn't he change? Doesn't need to. It works so good. But when you get God's word in you, here's what it, it becomes. Proverbs 4, verse 18 through 20. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say, my words. Incline your ear to my words. One translation says, incline thine ear unto my sayings. That's the word of God. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Jesus said, if you hear my word and obey it, you're like a man that built his house on rock. And when the storm came, he's still standing. See, Proverbs 4, 21. Don't let these words out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. See, if you keep God's word in your heart, when the enemy comes against you, out of your mouth won't be, oh my God, it'll be in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you. This will not happen. Because you have something to resist the devil with, and he will flee from you. Let me, let me pause a minute and say, every time you, the news is going to make you afraid to get out of, the, out of the bathroom. I mean, you just don't want to do anything. The fear. And anytime I get a bad report or I hear something, I just quote scripture. If Jesus took on the devil one-on-one, mano-mano, what did he do to defeat him? He quoted his word against, get behind me, Satan. It is written. It is written. He quoted. So tell me how you're better than Jesus. You know, coming and sitting in a pew is not going to resist the devil. You're going to have to quote God's word and hold it against him because Satan knows it, but he knows if you don't know it and he will bully you and push you and intimidate you and dominate you simply because you won't fight. You don't know. You could fight. And that's the only weapon you've got. He says, keep these sayings in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. I pray all the, every day, multiple times a day, uh, for in this season particularly, always, but even more so during this season, I shall run and not be weary. I shall walk and not faint. Lord, I, I thank you that you sent your word to heal me, to deliver me from all my destruction. I say in the name of Jesus that no plague, no harm, no virus shall come near my dwelling, no destruction, for you shall give your angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. I ask you to renew my youth, retard the aging of my body. Let not my natural forces be abated, nor let my eyes grow dim. I, I just quote scripture out loud, and I end up, dealing with that issue when it comes to me. I've got to take fake news and hit it with truth. If you get a diagnosis, okay. If you get symptoms, okay. But aren't you going to fight back? Or are you just going to roll over, suck your thumb, drink Maalox, and die? The Bible says, resist the devil. Now, why would God say that if it wasn't true? He says, you've got to get in this fight. 
I'm not going to do it for you. I've overcome the enemy. I've given you my word. I've given you my covenant. I've given you armament. I've given you my sword to fight the enemy with. And you can put him under your feet. But you can't do it in one little quickie. You may have to fight longer in some battles. Go on for a while. I don't know what that is floating by, but <laughs> it was white. Maybe it's an angel. I don't know. When a person's heart stops, doctors will put electrodes on their chest and shock that heart back to life stimulates it and that's what God does when the Holy Spirit opens God's word to your heart so the writer is saying God's word will do that for me like an electric shock will do that for a dead man's heart it will life him because he says and his word is health to all my flesh God's word will give you what you need to combat sickness and disease. It will help you to resist those symptoms. This play will not come near me. You may start coughing or whatever, but you've got to quote God's word. By his stripes I am healed. Thank you, Father, that on the cross Jesus bore my sickness, my sin, my disease, my pain, my infirmity, and by his stripes I am healed. My healing is not earned. It is paid for already by Jesus. I appropriate it as a blood-bought, justified, sanctified, redeemed child of the living God. Satan, I have power of attorney. Whatever I bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever I loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You don't want to mess with me I will not lie down and roll over when I was a Baptist that's what we did we quoted that verse that says we wrestle not that was it we didn't resist anything we just put you on a prayer list that went on the wall nobody prayed over you nobody warred over you and quoted the word of God and said I break this curse some of you have curses in your family. Uh, maybe cancer runs in a family line, maybe a particular type, maybe suicide. Uh, Brother Matt had that in his family line. And I say within my first scriptures that come to my mind, the curse without a cause cannot come upon you. You have been redeemed from the curse because Jesus became a curse for me that the blessings of Abraham make. I break that curse off my life. I rebuke you from my life and heart, from my family. You are finished. I have been born again, separated from first Adam. I am now in the last Adam, the second man, the Lord Jesus Christ. You have no grounds against me. I rebuke you. Break that thing. Break that thing. Don't just keep pouring money into it. Find it until you get victory. Now, what if God has, wants me to go to heaven? Well, you will. <laughs> but if you don't know that, you keep fighting. You can, see, God's desire for you is that you might prosper and be in health. That's scripture. My brothers, my prayer for you is that you might prosper and be in health. So generally, that's God's will. Doesn't mean I can't get sick. It just means I can get healed if I do get sick. Aren't you worried about the virus, Rick? I'm not worried about the virus. If I did get it, I, 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 I got a mask. See there? I've stepped on it. I've run over it the car. I've dropped it on the pavement. The dog took it in his mouth. I've had this thing everywhere. I figured if I was going to get it and die, I already would after four and a half months. And then I'd just pray and get well. I want to say to some people, get over it. Get over it. The whole point. Don't be foolish, of course. I, I, I'm, I'm pushing that point perhaps just a little bit. But sometimes caution is just to, some, some caution is just fear. You're being ruled by fear. At some point, you have to come out of hiding and say, I am covered in the blood of Jesus. I'm, a, I'm nutritious. I'm not, I'm, I'm spaced. I'm using good common sense, but I'm not walking in fear. 
I bet fear shall not have dominion over you. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Your friends have. The news media has. And you hear it and you hear it and you hear it. Shut the dumb thing off for a season. Check on the news once a day or something. But stop all that input. And if somebody, I, I, I don't sit down. I was with a person the other day and all they wanted to talk about was bad news. And I kept saying, don't you rebuke anything? Don't you? I said, I'm not having that at my house. I'm not allowing that. Well, it's going around, Rick. Everybody at school's got it. Your kids will probably get it too. Yeah, I get, I'll tell my wife we probably will. We'll leave the doormat and the light on for you. Just come on in. No, I say in the name of Jesus, that measles or whatever it was will not come near my children. It, and we cut our medical bills when we had little toddlers. They were always getting ear infections, always getting sore throats. We had that pink medicine called ampicillin. You kept in the refrigerator. We bought it by the gallon. And then when I learned authority, that I had authority, that I didn't have to put up with this, that I could rebuke the enemy, we cut those bills 50% our first year as little novices, just learning. We, we weren't pros. We, we didn't realize everything we could do, but we realized we didn't have to be good losers and take it. We could fight back, and we did, and we've been doing it ever since. So it's pretty rare you've ever seen me sick. You can get sick, please. You may have a condition, but I'm saying in general, you don't want to walk in sickness. That is not God's best for you. I believe God says, if any among you sick, let him call for the authorities. Let them anoint you with all. Lay hands on you and pray a prayer of faith. Now, that's God's antidote. Don't just be, a, now, if you've got good medicine, take medicine too, of course. Use good sense. God gives us wisdom. But I'm saying, don't be a good loser. Don't roll over and, well, my, my business is down. Well, God plants me by rivers of living water. My leaf shall not wither, and whatever I do shall prosper. Thank you, Lord, for houses I didn't build, wells I didn't dig, and vineyards I didn't plant. Thank you, you dip my feet in oil and give me favor with my brothers. Thank you, you delight in the prosperity of your servant. So God will either bring back that business, those sales, or he'll channel and open a door for you to continue on in another direction, but he will take care of you. And you've got to quote God's word against that fear that comes, well, I don't know if we'll ever get this back. I don't know if my business will ever come back. I don't know. Now, since we only have one service, I'm going to throw this in. It's going to take five extra minutes. I'm going to do it. It's called the Stocksdale Principle. Right now in this country, and I told the staff this weekend, you need two things right now to succeed with this stuff going on in our nation and world. You need faith and you need perseverance. When there is a, a tragedy and a crisis and you don't know how long it will last, I will tell you it's going to last longer than you think. And there's a lot of uncertainty. So what do I need? I need faith that God is for me and with me, will not reject me, will not abandon me, will provide for me. And I need perseverance to take another step. To every morning, take another step, take another step. Jim Stockdale was the highest ranking officer, a naval admiral, in the Hanoi Hilton prisoner of war camp during the Vietnam War. Seven and a half years, tortured, and then when he was released, he was interviewed and asked, who were the guys that didn't make it? He said, that's easy. The extreme optimist. The extreme optimist says, we'll be out by Easter. You know, they're American. We'll be out by Christmas. We'll be out by Thanksgiving. And Christmas would come and Thanksgiving would come and they're not out and they're not out. And this, after about two years, they start losing hope. It's never going to happen. We're not going to get out. And they, their will to live 
just leaves them and they die. He says, what businesses have now adapted is the Stocksdale principle, even in business, is it is a real crappy situation right now. It's not going to be over quick, but it will end. He said, we won't get out quick, and it's bad, but we will get out, and he kept them alive. So you've got to face that too. I know we live in America. We get it instant. We get it quick. We get it fast. Well, in the kingdom, it doesn't work that way. You've got to have perseverance. You must persevere. You need patience that after you've done the will of God, you might obtain the promise. Can you go the distance? Can you take a faith? It's just taking another step when you don't feel like it. And it doesn't look promising. You just play another day. So what do we have to do in church? We have to go with technology. We have to do the best we can with the inconvenience. We have to bring our A game every day. Just exactly what you have to do. And we play it. When will it end, Rick? I don't know. Would you quit walking around? I wonder when this is going to be over. I wonder when things will get back to normal. I want, I, you thumb-sucking whiny, stop it. Stop it. It doesn't matter when it's over if it never gets over. God will not abandon you. God had a purpose for you. And if you're 100 years old and he said you're going to have a baby, you'll have it. God will do exactly what he's promised. That circumstances don't, don't affect God. He's not limited with any resources. He can do anything. He can hold the sun still. He can back it up 15 degrees for Hezekiah. So come on, get your head up and get in the game and say, God's word is true. I have faith. I will persevere. And then I've got the endurance to go the long haul. I'm not going to just give up, throw my faith away, and roll over and die. No, no. No, no. I'm going to live in faith, and I'll die in faith. God is for me, not against me, and he's for you. And so I hope you'll have a little bit of endurance. So the enemy will continue to come along and suggest you take the flu or strep float, but declare, in Jesus' name, no thank you. I will not receive it. So why would God say resist the devil and he will flee from you if that wasn't true? Read God's word on healing. Read a good Christian book on healing and believe the report of the Lord. You can make a choice as to what you receive. You can take the enemy's fake news or you can believe God's word. Who's telling you a lie? Who told you that? You can think like a grasshopper. You can act like a grasshopper. You can be a grasshopper. But God's word can make you a giant killer. But it's your choice. Now, Here's God's antidote for a bad report. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer, petition, asking God, thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think on those things it's just as easy to meditate on things that are virtuous as the enemy's report but again it's your choice who will you believe we shall believe the report of the lord whatever you have learned or received or heard from me paul says or seen in me put it into practice and the god of peace will be with you for more information on summit christian center visit summitsa.com